It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. Yeah, the president sounded like he's concerned about it, but no specifics, no change in policy. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. Last week, President Biden held his first solo news conference of his presidency, where he expressed that a great deal of his administration's focus remains the coronavirus pandemic and the impact it's having on the U.S. economy. President Biden began the conference by raising his previous goal for vaccinations to 200 million in his first 100 days. Meanwhile, the president has tapped his vice president, Kamala Harris, to solve or try to the growing crisis at the southern border. As we see the migrant surge continue there for this and more, we'll bring in our all-star panel. USA Today Washington Bureau Chief Susan Page, mainstream columnist for the Wall Street Journal Bill McGurn, and pollster at Echelon Insights and Fox News contributor Kristen Soltis-Anderson. Thanks for being here. Susan, we'll start with you. You know, it was interesting to hear President Biden in that news conference, obviously started off with that pledge of vaccinations, wasn't asked about COVID, but Really, it is dominating most of this administration's time. Yes, the uh, the president had waited longer than other modern presidents to have that first news conference. His topic was COVID and the success that the administration uh, is bragging about in terms of vaccinations. None of the questions dealt with the COVID or, in fact, with the economic recovery that seems on the horizon. Most of the questions dealt with the immigration situation on the border a topic that the administration would prefer to be secondary uh, to the things that the that the president wants to talk about. Yeah, Kristen, talking about polls, if you look at kind of the average of of the main polls for this president, he's doing really well when people are asked how he's doing on coronavirus, uh, not doing great on the border situation. uh, But overall, his numbers are right around 60 percent. That's right. And that's why, as Susan said, the administration would much rather be talking about things like the response to COVID-19 and the economic recovery. When Biden took office, the U.S. was coming down from that big post-holiday surge. Um, and the, the light at the end of the tunnel seems to be getting closer and closer as more and more vaccines are distributed. This is an area where President Biden and his administration have much wider latitude, where even from the beginning, some of his executive orders around immigration much more evenly divided the country. So this is an issue that by handing it to Vice President Harris, he's sort of given her the the, the grunt work or the, the sort of dirty jobs in the administration that are uh, the issues that are going to be much tougher for them to deal with. Bill, listening to the CDC director today saying she's scared. She's scared of uh, what she called impending doom 
It didn't sound great uh, from Rochelle Walensky. Uh, she at one time became overcome with emotion as she kind of was imploring American citizens not to let their guard down on COVID-19. Uh, is there, do you think, this we're over it mentality in a lot of the country saying they're ready to move on? Well, I, I think there certainly is, and it's understandable. You know, a lot of people have been locked down, uh, either working from home or unable to work. Uh, we now have people getting vaccinated. So, uh, you know, and Mr. Biden's talked about it, so it's, it's brought some optimism. And I'm sure uh, that uh, all those in authority uh, worry that people think, okay, the problem's licked, we don't have to do anything going forward. So it's, a, it's kind of a natural response to what's happening. Yeah. And the question is whether we have to go through this fourth wave, Susan. Yes, that would be bad news indeed, since so many Americans feel like we're finally coming through the pandemic. But it's definitely a risk. It's a risk because we know there are variants out there that may be very contagious and that poses a threat. And also just the idea that you now see pictures from Florida, for instance, from people on spring break, beaches crowded, nobody's wearing a mask. That seems like a recipe to have a resurgence in COVID cases. That would be uh, bad for the Biden administration and also be just bad for the country. Mm -hmm. The border situation, it, uh, it's no longer a small issue. I mean, it's, it's Kristen getting to the point where um, they're, they're really throwing some stuff at it uh, to try to, to fix it. But it's a problem that comes up all the time, just not in these numbers. Well, certainly. And there are big questions about, one, to what extent Biden administration's policies have been a, a driving factor in why we're seeing this crisis at the border versus are they just the administration in the wrong place at the wrong time? They just happen to be here. while what I think Biden administration folks would, would say are you know forces down in Central America that are pushing people to leave their homes. To what extent is it a push and to what extent is it a pull? But then there's also the question of response. And there are things that occurred during the Trump administration images that were pretty horrifying. You heard all the time about kids in cages, things that, that genuinely were horrifying and things you don't want the government to have to be in a position uh, to be doing. Um, and yet nowadays we're, you know, we're seeing these situations again with some of these detention facilities reports that they're very overcrowded, et cetera. Um, big questions about how this administration is doing things any differently or what they'll do differently uh, than the Trump administration when faced with a similar crisis. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, our, we're drawn, Bill, to the hypocrisy of it and the Democratic lawmakers who went down and talked about, you know, concentration camps and that sort of thing. And the Trump administration are, are pretty silent now. Yeah. Look, I think uh, there, there's a lot of unfair criticism of President Biden in that, you know, the game seems to be now who had worse cages, Trump or Biden. Yeah. And uh, right. And so that seems to be a gotcha kind of thing on both sides. So in some senses, this is this is unfair to President Biden, whoever is president. The border is messy when unaccompanied minors come in. That's that's a real challenge. So it's it's never going to be completely clean. I think there's always, you know, bad pictures and so forth of people trying to cope. That said, um, you have to say there's some poetic justice in here, because even in his press conference, I mean, what struck me about the press conference is Joe Biden was elected on the promise that I'm not Donald Trump and we're going to get you elect me. We're going to move past the Trump years and Trump issues. And instead, he referenced Trump several times. Nancy Pelosi did the same thing. Unlike President Biden, she admits there's a crisis at the border, but she says it's Trump's fault. Joe Biden added the kicker. 
And no one question, no one in the room of all these reporters questioned it, said that Trump had left people to kids to starve in Mexico. I mean, it's just it's just crazy. We're not having an honest debate over this. And so, again, I see that a lot of this is unfair to Joe Biden, but a lot of it was unfair to President Trump as though he were the first person to deport anyone from the border and so forth. And it'd be nice if we could get to a debate. Trump is out of office. Let's get to a debate about what we're doing now and how we're going forward instead of, you know, playing the Trump card every time you decide on a policy and it has consequences you didn't foresee. Speaking of policy, Susan, um, if you looked at candidate Joe Biden throughout the primaries uh, and what he said on those debate stages and what he said to win, you know, the nomination and candidate Joe Biden in the general election, and then you look at President Joe Biden, if you didn't know he was president, would those two match in policy right now? Well, you know, Joe Biden campaigned as a centrist. Uh, proudly as a centrist, as somebody who would seek bipartisanship. Uh, And that was successful for him, both in winning the nomination and winning the presidency. But he startled, I think, even those who are his strongest supporters with what a progressive agenda, what a liberal agenda he has pursued in office. And we're going to see evidence of that Wednesday when he unveils this big infrastructure bill. You know, this is going to be a three or four trillion dollar bill. That is a ton of dough. And it's going to be, if it gets approved by Congress, it almost certainly will have virtually no Republican support. Everybody involved understands that that's going to be passed only with Democratic votes using reconciliation through the the Senate. So I think there is a bit of a disconnect between, it's not so much that he's violated the policies he's outlined during the campaign. It's more like he's governed in a sort of different way than he presented himself then presented himself during the campaign. Yeah. And uh, you, you mentioned the infrastructure on the way um, and how it's going to be structured. We don't really know, but I think it'll be two bites at the apple legislation wise. You're talking massive, massive bills here, uh, Kristen. And inside will be some kind of tax structure that we don't even fully know yet. That's right. And at the moment, whenever voters are asked, how much confidence do you have in Joe Biden to achieve a whole variety of objectives? One of the ones where he tends to get the worst marks is on being able to unify the country. And when my firm Echelon has asked voters, which do you think best describes the way Joe Biden and Democrats in Congress have gone about passing their proposals? Only 23 percent say they've been acting in a bipartisan way, incorporating Republican ideas into their proposals. A majority, 56 percent, say they've been acting in a partisan way, passing their proposals with only Democratic votes. Now, whether you think that's a good or bad thing will depend on your partisan view, and whether you think that's Democrats' fault or not will also depend on on your worldview. But certainly, there's not a sense that these big bills that are coming through Congress, that there's much being done to incorporate things that might make them an easier pill to swallow for some of those moderate Republicans. So, Bill, that brings me back to the question I asked Susan, which is, the Joe Biden on the campaign trail, the guy who said he's the president for all America, the guy who said he wants to do deals with Republicans. Does President Joe Biden pay for not being that guy? Or does this does this legislation kind of just happen fast and there's no repercussions come 2022? I think there will be repercussions. Uh, People are starting to notice it that all this talk about healing and moving beyond Trump and working with Republicans. And, and also, um, 
you know, Joe Biden, when he was in the Senate for all those decades, he had a reputation as being a guy you could deal with. Okay, let's start the horse trading. What do we have to do to get to an agreement? But he's governing very different. You know, he's putting through basically a Bernie Sanders agenda with a lot of spending, presumably a lot of taxes. And uh, I think it's a big mistake. I think his mistake was right at the outset with the COVID bill. I believe he could have easily had a bipartisan deal. He would have to spend less money. But the Republicans were there and ready to go for a deal. And had he done that at the outset, I think he would have positioned himself much better for his more liberal legislation that's coming along now. He said, look, I showed I could work with you. But now he's getting Republican backs up. I think there's less of a mood to compromise. And uh, I do think he'll pay. You know, it's ironic with such a narrow majority in both the House and Senate that he's going this way. But on the other hand, my suspicion is from President Biden's point of view and those around him is because they have a narrow minority, because they make a majority, because they might lose it in 2022, they have only a narrow window to get all this thing through. And if your goal is to be FDR, to be a transformational president, you know, they think, let's get it through. Republicans might take some of it away, but a lot of it would stick. So let's do whatever we can right now. Where do you think this push comes from, Susan? Do you think it comes from really the progressive side or it comes from Joe Biden realizing from his Obama years that every time they tried to negotiate with Republicans, it didn't seem to deliver on the big ticket items? I think there's a great sense with the Biden folks of lessons learned from Obama. You saw that in the size of that original package where they did, you know, Obama felt a lot of constraints to keep his package under a trillion dollars. Joe Biden did not feel that constraint. In retrospect, I think the Obama uh, White House decided they had been too timid with that initial bill at the time of the financial meltdown and the recovery from that. Also with dealing with Republicans, they saw they saw Barack Obama spend a lot of time trying to get Republican support, both on the financial legislation and on the Affordable Care Act, to no end. And there was very little patience, I think, with this current team to repeat that experience. So he, he has proved who, who would have thought Joe Biden would be a more liberal president than Barack Obama, but he certainly is governing that way so far. Guys, let's hold it right there. We'll continue after this. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. For across the board, as you look towards 2022, Kristen, does that sell if he gets these big things through? Well, it makes it easier for Republicans to unite in opposition if the things that Biden is pushing for are further out of the mainstream. Now, on something like the COVID-19 bill, I actually think Biden had more uh, leverage to sort of go big, uh, given that it's the issue where he tends to pull the best. But on something like infrastructure, you find in general voters say they're supportive of spending a lot. But is infrastructure really what we're talking about with all three trillion dollars or whatever we're talking about? How much in that bill is actually going to be for building roads and bridges and shoring up the grid? And how much will be for sort of progressive wish list items? That, that'll be the big question. But Republicans going into the midterms in 2022, if they are more united and are united in opposition and can say, look, even if you didn't want Donald Trump and you wanted a new direction, uh, don't you think that somebody needs to be there providing some kind of check on this runaway progressive train that the Biden administration has had in place 
that would be a very conventional first term of a president midterm. But that also has tended to work. Uh, that's it worked very well for the Tea Party back in 2010. Uh, it worked pretty good for Democrats in 2018. Uh, so it wouldn't be the worst message Republicans could run on. That's for sure. Uh-huh. And when you ask about the COVID-19 bill, obviously there's other stuff in there. You're not asking a question. Uh, are you for the pensions that were paid off in Illinois or New York? You're right. And in fact, the way my firm asked it is we actually set aside calling it COVID relief at all, in part because you could argue that's democratic messaging. We just asked the question, do you support or oppose the recent $1.9 trillion government spending package that was passed by Congress? And we find that there's still majority support, but it's it's softer support. Um, and we find that overall Trump voters are pretty opposed to it by a sort of net 48 points. So there's a lot that you can sort of point to and say this bill was not just what it was sold as. I think the COVID bill is not going to hurt Democrats politically, but if they keep trying to do this with bigger and bigger and bigger spending numbers and priorities that are more and more and more out of the mainstream, it could come back to bite them. Yeah. Last thing, Bill, um, if there was a bipartisan thing, you would think infrastructure would be it. Are Republicans taking a chance in not being for something as Biden and uh, Vice President Harris track around the country and say, we built this bridge? Um, they might be, but I think a lot of people are concerned about the spending. And we all Republicans always say they're concerned, but so seldom draw a line on the spending. Look, the the infrastructure bill. Remember the last time, shovel ready, that it didn't turn out to be shovel ready. It's not just inputs. Let's see what the outputs are. And uh, there's a clear strategy here. The first bill is going to be to try to get Republicans to sign on because they want a new bridge or a new road or something, and everyone's for that, right? But then they want to ram through all this other stuff. They're calling it human infrastructure, like from pre-K, which is basically just a Democratic wish list. And they're hoping they can get the Republicans to sign on to the first to make the second a little easier. I'm not sure that's a good deal for America. Um, I'm not sure the infrastructure is going to really do anything. Um, as we found out the last time, you can't just you know spend money willy-nilly on infrastructure because it sounds nice and everyone wants a new improvement around them. Mm-hmm. Susan, some conservatives like Bill have been talking about spending uh, for a long time, but a lot on Capitol Hill were not in the Trump years, and clearly President Trump was not. Um, so it's a little bit tougher to make that. Uh, we got to turn the ship around spending wise if you hadn't made it in the past four years. You know, if you want to talk about who's going to pay a price, who's going to benefit politically, Tell me which works. Tell me if this legislation that the administration is going to pursue succeeds in uh, juicing an economy that looks good for everybody and addressing some of the issues of inequality that have grown uh, so much wider in the past several years. Tell me if the pandemic is actually under control and we are past it. And then you'll know whether the Biden administration has made a good bet or a bad bet. There you go. Panel, thank you. Here's a bit of presidential trivia for you. On March 31st, 1968, President Lyndon B. Johnson gave a primetime televised speech that networks were told would be on the subject of the Vietnam War. It was in this televised address, though, that President Johnson surprised the networks and viewers alike when he announced he would not seek re-election just a few days after he had narrowly won the New Hampshire primary. That will do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Susan, Bill, and Kristen, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time.
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.